Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we talk about movies on this show. This, however, is not a regular episode. A regular episode, we watch a movie, we talk about a movie, it's really quite simple. However, this is part two of a countdown. What is a countdown? It is a top list of favourite films. Um, or at least usually. We might do actors or something like that at some point in the future, or directors, but at least so far, they've all been movies. And this is our top 50 movies of the 1980s. This is part two. We already did part one, which was numbers 50 through 26. This is going to be numbers 25 through number one. So, the biggies. Uh... So, and if you didn't see the last part, you go back and watch it, but this works quite simply. Cora gives one of his picks, I give one of my picks, we alternate, we go forward from there. It's really quite simple. There we go. Yeah. That was I was as succinct as an introduction as I think I could have mustered. Oh, pretty much, yeah. It only took, you know, 40 seconds or so. Is that a compliment or a complaint? I'll be both. <laughs> Number 25, Connor, you're up first. What is it? Oh, I suppose I am. It is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, a little, little glance there. This one's uh, it's I pretty did. good. It's pretty good. Not to spoil too much, but it's not as good as the first one. Uh, so that may or may not show up at some point later on. Um, I've only seen this one once. So I'm, I'll have to rewatch it. Oh, really? Yeah. How come? Uh, I've only seen the only one that I've seen more than once is the first one. Oh really? Yeah, that but surprises I, I, me. I only watched them for the first time when I was in my late teens. Oh, that actually, really surprises me. I I had never seen them as a kid. I I made I bought the DVD box set <laughs> to see them when I was. But this is before the fourth one. This was like just maybe a couple yeah, years okay. before that. I've only seen the fourth one once yeah. because it's the fourth one. I I also saw that once too. I saw that in theaters. Yeah, me too. Um, I think I actually own that now, though, because the Blu-ray box set has the fourth one on it. Well, it's not, you know. Yeah. That's what it is. Isn't there a box set with just the three of them? Not on Blu-ray, I don't think. I don't know. No, I thought no. there was. No. Fair enough. But hey, there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, I would, if you asked me, this is my my least favourite of the three. But, like I say, I've not watched uh, it in a long I, time. I, pref- I prefer it over the third one. Oh, fair enough. Um, I'd have to go back and see them again, not to really... Yeah, fair enough. I give give you a great, great opinion on them. Uh, My number 25 is a little film called Twins, uh, which is Daya DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is, they have been genetically engineered twins, and comedy ensues. This this is the first in the Arnie comedy trilogy with Ivan Reitman, uh, the other two being Kindergarten Cop and Junior, both of which came later in the 90s. Um, And... It's, it's the best of the three, I think. I mean, I really like Kindergarten Cop as well, but this one uh, is, is really good. It, it's kind of sweet. It's, it's got humour. Um, great cast, top to bottom. Yeah, fair enough. I've not seen this one. Uh, I, th- I still think... This doesn't have a Blu-ray yet, I don't think, still. Really? Which is a shame, yeah. There's, there's just a few stragglers, you know? A few stragglers that haven't quite made it to HD there are th- There are things that I go, oh, that hasn't got a Blu-ray. Okay, I get it. But then there's some stuff where it's like, no, there's notable people in this. It's, yeah. it's you know, noble directors. I'm like, why has this not got a Blu-ray? Yeah, it's, it's weird. At least I don't think it does. Maybe, maybe there has been one recently, and I've not, I've just not noticed it. But you're um, not in the loop anymore. I'm not, I'm not as in the loop as I was a couple of years ago with the Blu-rays. But yeah, uh, still. Uh, so yeah, twins, twi- twins, and I watched. I grew up watching this. Was this was a childhood favorite as well. Although it's actually a little bit darker as a comedy. So, um, oh, really, I um, I mean, it's not a dark comedy, but it's just you know, there's there's menace. There's, there's a 
there's an intimidating villain, there's murder, there's just things going on. Oh, fair enough. So, it is what it is. Um, what's your 24? My 24 is, uh, oh, it's another two. This is Superman 2. Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, I really like Superman 2. Um, uh, you know, I'm, it's not as good as the first one again, but it's got some really uh, fun elements to it. Um, it doesn't have, it, the ending's probably a bit better. In that it, it sure. doesn't just feel stupid. Outside of the amnesia, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in yeah. terms of the solution, yeah, yeah, in, t- in terms of fighting, you know, Zod and his cronies, yeah, uh, it, it's out- got a satisfying ending again. Outside of like one really stupid thing with like a giant shield that he throws at him out of nowhere, sure, sure. There's a couple but, of weird uh, oddity moments like that, but yeah, there, there is, but I mean, Zod's pretty damn good, uh, he's got a great presence, um. It's nice having such a strong villain in a movie like this. Yeah, no, Terrence uh, Stamp's and then great. All the stuff with Lois is fantastic. It is the pl- except the amnesia drink. Like, oh yeah, except obviously yeah. I would already mention that. Yes, yeah, I, I, just, I really want to emphasize it though because it's it's, it's, it's it's it is definitely the biggest problem I have with that movie is the amnesia. Drink. It is, but, but I do like it a lot. The only real problem I have with that movie. Yeah, I like it a lot though. Um, but we're going to the planet Houston. I'm shutting the door. Okay. Cats being a menace again, as usual. God, every, every video lately. The problem is is that you have to open the door and they refuse to come in while you're over there at the door. You have to come back to your starting position, wait for them to come in, and then go back over to shut the door. Mm, you should train them to show behind them. I'll be honest, I think Wesker here could pull it off. You're the smartest of the three. You're the brains of the operation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's favoritism. <laughs> Is a good push push? Yes. Is a good push. Yeah. All right. Um, do, do you want to do your 24? That's my 24, yes. Uh, my number 24 is one you mentioned in the first half. It is Hellraiser. Okay. Hellraiser is a very unique horror film. It has a... a fin- I don't think we mentioned the score, actually, in the last one. It's got a, a fantastic kind of... Almost apocalyptic sounding score, which yes. is, which is a really interesting kind of like add-on to what's going on in the film, where it's not actually like the world that's at stake in any way. It's because it's a completely personal story. It's this yeah. dark exploration of of S and M and and pain for pleasure and you know all these things, and you know it's it's great. It's, it's, it's devious characters doing devious things with some fantastically memorable concepts. Um, it's great. Some great practical effects as well. Uh, rewatching, oh, yeah. it, rewatching it last year with Tim for streams, um, uh, I really was like, "Oh man, these these practical effects of like him forming his body again and all yeah. that stuff. It all looks really, really it's, good." It's, it's amazing how some practical effects just hold up, isn't it? It does. Yeah, they look they look just as good today as they did back in '87. So yeah, who'd have thought? No, fantastic. Uh, Hellraiser's great. And it's, it's, like I say, I can't emphasize enough how unique this is. It doesn't feel like just another movie that's a copy of other horror movies at the time. This felt genuinely unique amongst it its time period. It is unique, definitely. Um, like I said, I had it very low on, on my list uh, in the first couple, I think. Um, but it's it, its uniqueness sometimes works against it in that it's so unconventional that, you know, maybe it's like, okay, there are things that it could be doing that maybe I'd enjoy more. That are a bit more traditional at times. Sure. Well, I, don't Still good I, I don't know if I agree with that, but sure. <laughs> no, fair enough. Um, 
Yeah, it is, it is the best film about a creepy uncle who came back from the dead who wants to have sex with his niece. I mean, how many of those are there, though? You'd be surprised. No, I wouldn't. That's the sad thing. <laughs> What's your number 23? Uh, my number 23. You may have mentioned this. I'm, I'm kind of forgetting. Um, it's uh, Dress to Kill. Okay. Did, did you mention this? I did not, no. No, you didn't. Okay. So obviously you, you mentioned at least one De Palma film, maybe two. Two. I don't know. Two. Blowout and Body Double I mentioned. Yeah. So here's the third one. We have, we covered this on uh, on Influx, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Okay, that's fine. So yeah, there's a full review there. Uh, this again, um, uh, you know, like we were saying with the other De, De Palma films that we talked about, yeah, suspense is fantastic. Um, the, the, the direction is the, the standout feature of, of this movie, uh, undoubtedly. Um, some great music as well, though, in this one. Uh, I really like uh, the, the opening stuff uh, with the, you know, all, all the, the, the setup is really intriguing for me in this one um, because it plays it so, so straight compared to, to some of the other movies, which is immediately kind of into the thick of it. Uh, this one builds a little bit more for me. It's got a structure not unlike Psycho, where the first 30 to 40 minutes is one story, and yeah. then the rest of the example. film spins out of that story, but it's not following the same characters necessarily that the first 40 minutes did. Yeah, um, but it, but that open bit, it's, it's so straight. Compared to where it goes, mm. um, it feels very linear and, and, and easy to... just easy to follow, and not that the rest of it's complex and you know is 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 twisty turning all over the place um but it it is very unique in its structure compared to his other films at least the ones that that i've seen Hmm. my number 23 is one that you brought up last time again uh, and this is the road warrior mad max 2 Uh, ah yeah I, i mean i had it quite high at the end of the last video so i mean it wasn't too long ago I wasn't critiquing where you placed it. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying, you know, it's it's we get these every so often where yeah. we get quite close in placement. This isn't as close as we've had in the past, but... Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously we spoke about it last time, but Road Warrior is kind of the movie that defined what post-apocalyptic wasteland is. Yeah, definitely. A uh, bunch of knockoffs come out after this. The Fallout games have a lot to be thankful for. Mad Max, you know, like... Mm. Obviously, Fallout's a bit more radioactive than a, than a desert, but... It's still, it feels so similar. The, the idea of raiders, the idea of what the small communities that form in the wasteland are, that that came from Mad Max too. Oh, even yeah, Mad Max yeah. One, specifically Mad Max Two. Yeah. So it's great. I, I love how it all revolves around this community that that they worship a, an oil tanker because fuel's so hard to come by. Um, and like we talked about in the first half, uh, the idea of like there's, there's like one bullet in the shotgun, and the movie plays with that that there's only one bullet the entire Repeatedly, time. Repeatedly, yeah. Uh, it's so good. Uh, so yeah, I'll leave it there. And, and, about and it. actually, has good payoff with that as well. It does. Yeah. Uh, what's your twenty-two? My twenty-two is Thief. Oh, look, another one we covered on Influx. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of a pattern here. Um, this is stylish as shit. Uh, you know, all the way through, this is stylish. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, safe crack. Yeah, you got that. That's that plot going on. But yeah, who cares what's going on? Just the way it looks and sounds is everything about this movie. Yeah, breaking into a, a multi-billion-dollar safe. Who can? James can. You know, as soon as you started that, I was like, "Oh God, he's gonna do it." 
That was gold. <laughs> James Cannes leading this. He's a very good actor. <laughs> I like how you, you felt like, oh yeah, I should probably explain that just in case anyone doesn't know. And that just sounded really stupid. Not everyone knows who James Cannes is. It's no, 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 they don't. But but you just had to explain just just because you couldn't bear the idea that, that shitty joke went unnoticed by someone. You include the audience and make sure everything's easy to follow. That is good good presentation skills. It is if it's a good joke. <laughs> it was a good joke. It was not a good. You're joke. just in denial. No, I'm not. This has fantastic music though. This movie. Yeah, oh, it does. It's very good music. Yeah, love it. Cool. My number twenty-two. Um, something very different <laughs> and this is one I grew up with uh, oh. and we're, we're back to a certain Austri- Austrian brute and this is Predator uh, this is a movie that you weren't too keen on but this is a slasher movie before I get into horror movies but it's a slasher movie with an elite team of commandos who try their damnedest to fight back and it all comes boiling down to this man with man fight between Arnold and the Predator it is a very well shot and edited movie because uh, I like Predator 2 a lot but the one thing that Predator 1 has over Predator 2 by a mile is the direction and it's, it's, it's there, it's evident it, it, it's it's like a symphony <laughs> the, the way this movie's shot it's, you, sure. you could analyse uh, the, the shooting and editing in this movie uh, it's so good. Uh, it's got it's got all these great set pieces, and I I love that it does that good job of like showing you them as a team. Just take on some bad guys at the start, so you're like, okay, this is how good they are. This is how how you know their expertise and in, in motion and you know in action, and then yeah. it's like, and now we're going to deconstruct that over the course of the movie. We're going to deconstruct that with a villain that they can't deal with, and just everything it does. Cool design of the Predator. Cool music from Alan Silvestri. Uh, Silvestri, rather say it properly. Um. But yeah, no, Predator, good. I don't think I have to convince many people of that. So No, no. Many people would be wrong, but you know, whatever. Shut up. What's your 21? My 21 is, ooh, Tron. Have Have you seen Tron? Mm-hmm. You have? Okay. Is, is it Legacy you've not seen? I've not seen Legacy, yeah. Okay. I knew there was one of them you hadn't seen. Um, so I actually saw Tron Legacy first, and then... Yeah, I saw that when it came out, and and then a few years later, I went, you know what? I, I'm gonna go check out the original, and it's kind of fantastic. I love it. Um, hmm. I think you you're not as keen on this, are you? No, I, I thought it was really boring. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. This is a visual feast in terms of what it's doing with those uh, with with its very early CG, um, but the, it's. It's the style of what it's doing with it is is kind of fantastic. It's got li- these limitations, yeah, but if, it works if, for the for the movie. If I remember correctly, not everything you think is CG in that movie actually is. But there is CG in there. Oh yeah, yeah. There but is, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that you assume is CG. I think because of your present day yes. thinking, that's actually in camera trickery. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, uh, but there no. is some stuff that was CG, in it, but but the looks uh, you can tell then it looks a bit rougher. Um, but works for that movie in its style. They, like visually, I agree, it's interesting. I just thought that the writing, the plot was just. The, the, no, I, fair enough. I was I mean, falling asleep during that movie. I thought the the plot is a kind of standard, you know, hero beats the villain or, or sort of thing. Um, you know, captured, fight back, escape, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was enjoyable enough. And then when you've got those visuals and a fantastic score going along with it. 
uh, it, it always had my attention. I, I was always into it. There, there was no point where I was bored. Maybe rewatching it, like you know, because it's been over ten years since I tried it. Maybe I'd like it more. I don't know, but I think we should do that in Legacy at some point. I'm not committing to both. If I, <laughs> oh, come on. I might prefer Legacy. You know. Oh, okay. Like Leg- Legacy has the Daft Punk score, which hell yes. Mm-hmm. My number twenty-one is very different this is not one i grew up with this is the elephant man this is a david lynch film although it's probably the most straightforward and unconventional david lynch film that he's ever made and uh, it's just the story of of this this man uh who who's deformed and his life and people try to be kind to him uh it's got it uses some great music Uh, i say uses because it's not score necessarily it's like classical music that it uses in places and it's black and white and it's a touching story, and like this is probably the most touching I've ever, I've ever found David Lynch. Like the ending of this movie is this kind of bittersweet thing that is so touching that I'm like, I I double checked after watching it was that David Lynch because it didn't feel anything like David Lynch. I uh, yeah I've not seen this, but touching is not a word I would ever associate with Lynch traditionally. It is genuinely a touching film. It oh, is, I'm sure it, yeah, yeah. Every, everything I've heard about it, I, I'm I'm sure it is. Uh, just you know, it's so almost out of character for Lynch. Yeah, you got Anthony Hopkins in there, of course. Uh, yeah. uh, it's just it's a really well done uh, drama, essentially. But it's yeah, it's this one we'll have to do at some point. I mean, I think all David Lynch is kind of on the cards at some point. Mm, you would say that. Yeah, well, you, you know. Lynch fanboy. Fanboy. You are a bit of a fanboy. I don't like World at Heart. <laughs> <laughs> you got one. Oh, the heart. Um, I do want to re- re- rewatch Eraserhead though at some point. See what I mean? I liked it. I, I did like it when I saw it, but I feel like I'd love it now if I watched it again. Anyway, uh, what's your number twenty? Uh, my number twenty is Heather's, which is a fantastic high school movie about awful, awful people, and. What's not to love about this? You know, we're no writer of Christian Slater. Let's kill the the awful people. And they, I mean, they're, they're both awful as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. how would this not appeal to me? This appeals to me, but when I tried watching it, I felt like it lost steam for me after the first thirty minutes. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't like where it went plot wise. Oh really? Okay. I mean, it definitely goes places. Yeah, it goes places. Um, when it was just about these two teaming up to kill the popular girls, I was like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah. And then it yeah. kind of veers and does all things. Yeah, it does. I was so into all the other stuff. I think the the dialogue in particular in this movie is phenomenal. Uh, it's it it's it's so witty and on point, uh, and all the characters feel appropriately awful mm. and smart when they're supposed to. Um. No, I have a blast with this movie whenever I watch it. Well, my number 20 is... Uh, you were telling me that I was a David Lynch fanboy, but just bear with me here, because John Carpenter's up next with Prince of Darkness, which is... I felt probably the the last film of his that I've seen. In, ter- in terms of, I mean, there's a couple that I've not seen, but in terms of all the movies of his that I've seen, this was the most recent one I saw for the first time. Okay. Uh, which is probably like seven or eight years ago now. I mean, it's been a while, but I've seen it a few times. Prince of Darkness uh, is such a different movie 
from Carpenter, but it, it's got you know one of his scores. It's this very signature. It's got all these things, but this one's more about the 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 impending dread, the 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 apocalyptic like promise of the future. Right, it's sort of driving the plot. Hmm. But it's a bottle movie set in a church. But it's like these scientists trying to deal with the the weird like like chamber of like energy that's in the church, and you know, Prince of Darkness obviously implies that this is like the Antichrist or something like that. But it's basically this idea that like at one point in the movie you get this idea that someone's like they're having dreams of the future, and that there's going to be someone who shows up that's like so devastating that the entire world is screwed. So it's got this almost a uh, Lovecraftian like. Cthulhu impending doom kind of yeah. feeling to it um, and I really like that um, fair enough so just uh, yeah I, I know that's not what this, this film's about but the, the Prince of Darkness that as a, as a title you know you said oh you know mm. it conjures these images for me I, I, I've always thought of that as a title for Dracula like you know like something that, that I, I don't know if he's ever gone by that if anyone's ever called you know, like I don't know I don't, I, I don't know if he has but for some reason Prince of Darkness that conjures Dracula to me. I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm not, it, it's it's so specific, and I don't know if I have a reason for it or not. Like I don't mm. know if I've picked that up from somewhere, or if it's just some association I've made at some point. Eh? But I mean, judging that you have no idea, more likely the latter. Is it because there's a Hammer film called Dracula: Prince of Darkness? Maybe. Maybe that's it. <laughs> it's that simple. There was one movie with that title, and that's just it. It, it, stuck. Could, it could be just that, that, and that's just stuck with me for you know years. I'm sure that's what that movie's called. Hold on. It probably is. <laughs> He's going and checking. He could. He he could Google this. We have the internet right here. I could just type Dracula Prince of Darkness. Look, there we go. Dracula Prince of Darkness. I've already got it. Um, what were you saying? I, I was saying could have just googled this i googled it in the time that it's taken you and confirmed this already but no he had to be a dick and show off that he's got it he had to go to the shelf just just because it's immaculately organized and he knew exactly where it would be doesn't mean he had to do this immaculately organized it's called the alphabet you ginger cretin <laughs> it's in sections as well though well yeah that's the horror section but sure like what, <laughs> what, what, what did you want from me i wanted you to just google it i put dracula PR, and then it popped up with Prince of Darkness, and it was like, yep, guess that's a movie. I'm going to use this useless DVD disc to throw at your head, hopefully decapitate you. Do you know it. what? I'm not going to lie. I have done that in the past. Well, because the DVD's useless, you'll want the Blu-ray, so... I've thrown it at someone. <laughs> Just oh, well, the... I, thought, I don't care if this doesn't play ever again. Yeah, the DVD copy I don't care about. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Um, so where are we? What number are we on? It's you next, right? Nineteen. You're nineteen. Nineteen. Oh, okay. So here is 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 one I grew up with. Prince of Darkness. <laughs> Tell the worst place. I've never even seen it. I've never even seen that one. It's just whatever. Uh, no, one I grew up on uh, is the Fox and the Hound. Uh, this is a Disney movie. This was when I was younger. This this was my favorite Disney movie quite comfortably it's 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 not anymore you know no taste of cheese although it's a very unusual one for people to find as their favorite because it is bleak as shit <laughs> hmm. 
it's so i mean i guess i've always just been a cynical bastard um it, it's basically you know there, there's a, a fox uh, you know like a baby fox and you know and a, a dog the titular you know, like, fox and the titular yeah, hound. yeah yeah well yeah but it, it starts <laughs> when they're both you know young pups mm-hmm. why is a fox pup called i don't know whatever cub fox cub that's it um i think uh, you know, and and they form this friendship, and then they get older, and then it's like, and they're they're told, well, hang on, we can't be friends anymore because society demands it, essentially, um, because we're supposed to be enemies, and it, it's about the, these two kind of trying to have some level of friendship, even though they're not supposed to, um, but it's kind of really in a in a bleak kind of uh, sure by the end, it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, we can, but it's really roundabout way of getting to it and it's always just they're being trodden all over and being like nope you can't do this um it's really good though. and the uh the the action finale stuff with out on the with the, the, the fire is gorgeous uh you know the animation spectacular um uh, some of my it remains some of my favorite animation in a disney movie hmm. um, so that's good. that's movie you've not seen that's you've, you've you've uh somehow stuck such a such a implanting your memory there's just a see if this, this triggers anything four english tourists find themselves stranded in the mysterious village of carlsbad a sinister and remote place of deadly dark legend their journey leads them to an abandoned castle where a nightmarish destiny awaits them however <laughs> it wasn't just fate that brought them here but an evil force in need of resurrection a blood craving beast known only as count dracula prince of darkness Released in 1966, this is Christopher Lee's second out in his Dracula, with Hammer pushing the cinematic boundaries of graphic gore and terror. I think we need to watch it soon. <laughs> this is a Screams After Midnight movie. We need uh, to... uh, Tim can take a week off. <laughs> Tim will be grateful. You need to dye your hair like Dirty Blonde, so you look at like, Tim. <laughs> can I just buy a wig? What's funny though is you actually have very similar hair. When I think about it, when I, when I think about just the shape of, of the, it, the shape, yeah. yeah, style, yeah. Um, Do you think? Maybe not always, but when he's got it grown out a little bit, fair enough. It's kind of similarish. Yours is a bit more curly, I think, though. Yeah. Uh, aye. Is there a reason you're just reading the back of? The, I was the, reading the extras. Where... I mean, I, <laughs> I was just, I was just curious. Okay. Um, um, yeah, it, I've heard of this Fox and the Hound movie, but only because you told me before you liked it. Yeah, uh, it, it's one that I, I don't really see a lot of love for. Um, maybe, maybe this is, you know, that there's not that much love for it in general. But I don't know. It, 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 it was easily my favorite. It was easily the one I watched <laughs> the most when I was younger. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's kind of good. It's really it's real good. And I'd, I'd, I'd like to see more people's opinion on this one. They don't have one. Not seen it. <laughs> well, someone's seen it. I just need to know if I'm in the wrong in thinking it's this good, or if, or if I'm just, if I'm just a weird bastard. Yes, 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 yes. Shut up. My number nineteen is Manhunter, which is Michael Mann. You just talked about Thief a couple of years yeah. ago. Michael Mann, after that, directed Manhunter, which is actually the first movie with Hannibal Lecter in it. Um, it is the adaptation of sorts of Red Dragon, which of course they did a Red Dragon movie later. Uh, but this has got Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter, but it's Michael Mann in the 80s. It is super stylish. You mentioned Thief was stylish. This is 
also stylish. This is like turned up. This is like Miami Vice like levels of stylish that he turns up to. And okay. I, I don't mean I don't mean the Miami Vice movie that he did like in the two thousands. I mean the show. It feels you know it's full of synth. It's full of it plays with you know Will Graham like the, the detective feel, like fills the room and yeah. does his thing. Um, I love Manhunter. Manhunter was one of those things where I hadn't seen because everyone talks about Silence of the Lambs, right? Everyone talks about the later movies. When I went back and found this, because I, I discovered I like Michael Mann through Collateral and a couple other movies, it was like, whoa, this is really good. Why does no one talk about this? So, I've never seen it, although I, I, you're not the only one who has this opinion. Like, mm. you know, of, oh no, this is this is the best of them. Uh, it's not, it's not, it's it's, not the best Hannibal Lecter movie in the sense that Hannibal Lecter's not a big part of it. Like, you know, like Silence of the Lambs is the better Hannibal Lecter movie, but... It, it's the best... Uh, many uh, a lot of people would say it's the best based on that franchise yes right um and that that's not a crazy unpopular opinion it's just it always seems to get overlooked like you know people just don't bother watching it yeah the, the mainstream media or whatever if you want to call them that never seem to mention it it's, it's just it's, it's just film there to like it <laughs> it is yeah um but it is <laughs> you know? pretty universally agreed upon that, that it's very good yeah. from the people who bother watching it, it. it's obviously an influx in the making at some point it uh, is yeah but uh yeah because uh, i've definitely got it on my list to watch at some yeah. point i got that on blu-ray too of course you do it's up there somewhere yeah all right don't go and get it the thriller sections will be up top shelf though so i don't know, feel like a stretching mm. uh, do it and then and then if it goes wrong we can see everything fall on you <laughs> uh, i think i'm more concerned about flashing my belly at the camera because i'm sh- stretching up so far <laughs> um uh, it's a glorious hairy belly don't get me wrong but it's not it's not for not for uh this is suitable for your eight-year-olds and up i think this, this yeah scene, i, I think this that can be saved for the late night live streams yes 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 where things get saucy yes uh, my your number 18 yeah um yeah, it's funny you mentioned there how, oh, yeah, that was a, a director of one I mentioned, you know, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I have a similar situation here because uh, my 18 is Die Hard. Obviously, you, you mentioned uh, Predator not so long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. John McTiernan. Yeah. You you looked confused for a second then as to what, what the link was. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's Die Hard, right? Do, do I need to really say that much about Die Hard? It, it spawned. It's this, but Die Hard. For <laughs> still going. We we had a trailer on Trailer Talk a week ago. Going. You, you said that the wrong way around, though. You don't say it's this, but Die Hard. You say it's Die Hard, but this. Whatever. You say it's Die Hard, but on a boat, or it's Die Hard, but on a plane. It's Die Hard, but on a. You know. Sure, but in my point is, we it's still going to 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 this day, where you know we had a trailer on the on the last episode of Trailer Talk where, yeah, yeah, it's another one, <laughs> and. That, that's a pretty enduring legacy. Yeah, yeah, no, that was fantastic. Can't, can't, I can't, I can't fault Die Hard as a pick. Um, you know, remember when we first met John McLean? Our girl picked him up from the plane and took him to Nakatomi Plaza to meet with Holly. Those are the first lyrics of the Die Hard song by Guys Night. Go and Google it. <laughs> it's on YouTube. I was, I was mildly worried you were going to do, do the, the whole thing. thing. No, 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 no. But it's, it's, it's a surprisingly decent little song about Die Hard. <laughs> The Die Hard song. Yeah, they made it long before Five, though, so there's nothing about Five in it, which is good because Five sucks. Uh, it's garbage. Anyway, uh, moving on. My number eighteen, completely different. This is a childhood favorite. Absolutely, this is The Goonies, uh, which you you did mention Superman Two, which was obviously mostly directed by Richard Donner before uh, Lasseter came in and changed half of it. Not Lasseter. 
Who's who's Richard something? It was Richard Lester, maybe. That sounds about right. Maybe it was Lasser. I'm just I'm doubting myself because obviously Lasser was Lasser is the Pixar, the Pixar guy. Yeah. Which is why I'm well, doubting that that's right. Let's have a look. Superman two. It was all Richard though. I'm sure it was. I mean, it probably was. Fire, fire one deck and hire another. What? Uh, it was Lester, Richard Lester. There you go. That's the second guess. Yeah, I'll I'll take it. Uh, So this is Richard Donner, of course. He he did this. Um, you know, after he got over the the pain of having to leave Superman two, uh, before it could be finished, and was never offered obviously Superman three or anything like that. He went. He's still at Warner Brothers, surprisingly, but he did the Goonies and. This is kind of everything you want in a childhood adventure. Like, it has that feeling at the start of the movie where it's like, it's the rainy afternoon where all the kids have to stay at home. And you've got this cast of kids. Obviously, Sean Astin grew up to be someone. You've got Josh Brolin in there as the older brother. You've got Corey Feldman. You've got all these characters, these actors, and it's a treasure hunt. It is is a movie about a kid's imagination going wild and actually leading to a real adventure in dealing with villains. Joey Pants is one of the villains. He's great. Um... And it's actually a great Superman reference, <laughs> bizarrely. I remember watching this for the first time after years, having not seen it, and I'd forgotten about the Superman moment, and it really made me smile because it's Richard Donner. Like, yeah. I, I assume when I was a kid, I didn't know it was the same guy who made them. Um, probably not. I, you, I, you typically don't pay attention to that as a kid. I probably didn't even know what a director was when I was a kid. This was like, you know, never mind. Who do I I like? assume you did, you pretentious dick. <laughs> but um, it's delightful, full of memorable moments, full of quotable moments, um, really fun score as well, you know. Even got the uh, yeah. the Cindy Lauper song, the yeah. the Blairs at one point. Um, this is a this is a bundle of joy. It's well made and it's full of nothing but raw nostalgia. It is glorious. That is the goodies. What is your number seventeen? My number seventeen. You mentioned they're having a good score. Well, this is up there with the best of them. Big Trouble in Little China. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you, 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 you had a face there, like you wanted to fight whatever I said, <laughs> just, just because. But you can't, because you know I'm right. Uh, I love that. I think on, on the Blu-ray, there's an option just to, just to play this without any dialogue, just to have the score play uh, over yeah, it. Yeah, it's called it's called an isolated score. Yeah, yeah. But not all of them have that. Uh, not, not everything has that as a, as a choice. Oh, sure. But there's enough to have it that it's, it's still a feature that's got a name. You know, it's like it is, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's great. Uh, you know, it's. Trucker fights supernatural forces. It's it's all over the place in terms of doing crazy, wacky things. Yeah, uh, but the, that... the, the thing in the movie, though, is that he thinks he's the main character, but he's not. He's the sidekick who's useless yeah. and someone yeah, else is the main exactly. character. Yeah. Um, yeah, This won't be appearing on my list purely because I've only seen it once, and it was a long time ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I have to, I have to give it another try at some point. Because I, I liked it. It's not, it wasn't that I disliked it. It's, I just... I've not seen it enough that I can... I, if I tried to tell you why I like this, I wouldn't be able to really do it. No, that's fair. So uh, No, I, I really love the score. Because, you know, when I, when I watch this uh, for the first time, I immediately put it on again with the isolated score, like straight after. Um, like, it was that good. <laughs> and given what I just said, somehow I still own it twice on Blu-ray. But that's, that's a whole... Why do you own it twice? Because I got the original US release... Um, when it first came out, and then Arrow did a nice special edition, and Arrow were doing like a sale where it was like, you know, you can get, you know, two and get what, the third one three, uh, free, and I thought, you know what, I mean, yeah, I'll get the Arrow version for free. <laughs> yeah, it's the Arrow version I've got. It's a nice edition. That's a nice edition. Um, 
So, yeah. Uh, what number are we on? <laughs> that was 17. My number 17 is First Blood, which is a- a.k.a. the first Rambo movie, just for anyone who doesn't, yeah. <laughs> doesn't know that. Because it had a stupid, stupid naming system. I've been over this a million times, but just to clarify one more time, First Blood... Then the second movie is Rambo, colon, First Blood Part 2. And then the third movie is called Rambo 3. And then the fourth movie is just called Rambo. If that's not the most confusing naming system in the history of humankind, I don't know what is. Mm. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, So, now First Blood is a great movie. It is a movie about someone with PTSD who's come back from Vietnam it's about how screwed up he is and how he's also mistreated by those around him. It's about coming back from the war and not being treated as a hero, but being treated as a criminal because of what you were involved in um, and how that affects him and how that how that, that has a knock-on effect. And it's a movie where only, like, one person, I think, gets killed. It's not like a... You know, like, Rambo, who's known for killing, like, tons and tons of people <laughs> because he's Rambo. It's what I think of it. Having yeah. never seen any, that's that's pretty much what I think of No, Ram- Rambo. That's not what this is about. Rambo, like, he gets arrested at the start. He he runs off um, after he sort of freaks out, and they chase him into the into the, the forest. But because he's Rambo and he knows what he's doing, he becomes this dangerous person in the forest because he can track, he can build traps, he can do all these things. And it's like this crisis where the police are trying to like capture him, and that, that's what the movie is. And it's really freaking good. Um, the ending's fantastic, uh, and it's it's not really till Rambo two or First Blood Part two, whatever you want to call it, where it, it really kind of becomes what people think in pop culture of Rambo. And that movie's fun. That's a really fun action movie. The second one, but the first one's its own thing. That's very on its own. Um, Fair enough. And it's, it's, it's excellent. So whatever your preconceptions of what Rambo is, first, even if you don't like the idea of Rambo as, a, as what you think of him as pop culture, still try First Blood if you like the idea of just a good movie because it's not that. It's its own thing. Fair enough. So there you go, 17. Uh, what's your 16? My 16. I mean, I, I told you earlier this would be appearing. Uh, it's uh, Red is the Lost Ark. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty great. Right. Uh, what's not to love about this one? Do 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 do. That's that. That is something definitely that you can't not love. Do 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 do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that double negative was right. <laughs> what was that? I, I did a double negative, and then I questioned myself oh, right, okay. as to whether it was the right way to say it. I'm pretty sure it was. Someone will pick up on it if it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one reason to love it already. Oh, yeah, Harrison music. Ford's another. Harrison Ford, yeah. Hey, uh, what's his face? Uh, ah, uh, uh. the leading lady. I know. I can picture her face. Alan, something Alan, Chris, Chris. Do you know what the worst part is? I think I mentioned her in the Starman section last episode, last part, because <laughs> she's in that. Movie. Karen. Karen Allen, yes. Damn it! We got that. We got that. No, it's an adventure movie. Great stunts, great humor, all these things. uh, Screw the Nazis. And screw Nazis. Always, always screw the Nazis. Yeah. The the, the scum of the earth. Um, My number sixteen. I I hate that we are doing this list two days before we're going to record this because my number sixteen is Wings of Desire. (laughs) 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 So. Going in, you, you've got a sense that I, I, I will like that movie. <laughs> I'll be honest, that doesn't surprise me. 
Yes, this is Wim Wenders. This is a film about an angel who decides that he's he kind of done being an angel and he wants to become a human being, and it's it's fantastic. And I don't really want to get into it because we're going to talk about it in a review. I understand. On Based episode. on what I know of this movie, I expect to love it because mm-hmm. it sounds like something I will very much enjoy. But we shall find out in a few days. We shall find out. We shall find out. Um, what's your fifteen? I fifteen is this is Spinal Tap. <laughs> hey, screw you! You haven't seen it. You don't get to judge. Why isn't this at eleven? You had such a good joke opportunity. I, I know. I know. I thought about it, but then I'm like, no, because then it has to be above this, and I can't, in good conscience, have it above this. It's so close. See if it was like twenty-seven, I wouldn't care. I know. I know. And. You'll, you'll understand in a couple of places I'm like I, I can't I can't put it above that that would be completely unfaithful to the point of this list okay. and it's not worth the joke okay hold on my DVD copy of Dracula's coming out <laughs> am I getting the DVD chucked at me yeah, yeah go on then. <laughs> uh, no this this is a great mockumentary uh, uh, yeah uh, about a band and it's hilarious. I mean, it's a great comedy. Um, uh, if if you if you like mockumentary comedies, this this is a great one. I mean, I don't know why you haven't seen this. Go and watch it, all of you. Yeah, I haven't seen it. So <laughs> yeah, fine. Well, I have no. Don't watch it. I have no reason, but I don't feel guilty because my number fifteen is Near Dark. Okay, which is a vampire film directed by Catherine Bigelow. It has a reunion of sorts from the cast of Aliens. You got Bill Paxton, Lance Henriksen, Jeanette Goldstein, Adrian Pazdar as the lead. It is a romantic vampire film, and I know that puts off a lot of people. You hear romantic vampire, you think Twilight, you think all these awful things. Um, but there are good examples of when it works. And this is a vampire western, and there's a, the, the romance element has got a fantastic score by Tangerine Dream. Oh my god, what a score. Fantastic score. Um, and we watched this again for streams it's probably about three years ago now but watching it again for streams three years ago it was like oh wow this is even better than I remembered it, it you know it was like all these great moments Bill Paxton steals every scene he's in yeah. um, wonderful tragic kind of dark moments of, you know with because va- even though the vampires are kind of evil and killing people there's still this sense of tragedy to them when something you know they and, finally meet their demise kind of just likeable enough yeah that, that you kind of understand some of them Finger looking good. I'm just saying. This yeah. Good. I'm pretty sure I was on that episode of Screen Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bill Paxton is phenomenal in that movie. Um, so, near dark. Um, so, yeah. So, so, vampire romances can be done well occasionally. Of course, another example is the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> just for that, I'm moving something up. Just to annoy you. <laughs> It's going off a couple of places. What? We do. Yeah. Screw you. I don't even know what you're talking about. What a weird threat this is. I know. I'm just like, so just the higher these things are, it'll the more it'll annoy you. So screw you. Yeah, Lake Empire wasn't number one anyway. Like, come on. You don't know that. We're not there yet. Save the surprise. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna, oh, Empire wasn't number three until you pissed me off. Bullshit, it wasn't. <laughs> Empire is in exactly where it needs to be. Exactly, it was on my number thirty-eight. Where's uh, what's your number fourteen? Uh, my number fourteen's Body Double. Um, you spoke well this one, didn't you? I did, yes. Uh, yeah, 
yeah, body double is great. Uh, we we spoke. A lot, I think I think we spoke a lot about it on the last part, but the the suspense is excellent. The direction is fantastic. Um, there are some shots in particular where you know the, where where, it's, where they're being watched that are just incredible. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah, I would have spoke about it. So I don't really yeah, exactly. Much to add yeah, to it. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I forgot at that point that it was later on my list. So I yeah. kind of just joined into the conversation. Yeah, no, I had it at twenty-seven. So I mean, it was right right at the end of the, the last half. Yeah. Um, my number fourteen is a movie that one day I will watch again. <laughs> One day, Carl will have the chance of watching it. But right now, it's somewhere down in a deep, dark abyss. Because there's no HD version. The abyss. There's not even an anamorphic DVD version. It's just... Uh, Yeah, yeah, not so low. We're talking about how it's really rare for things not to have a Blu-ray edition. This This goes the extra mile. This is the example. This is the one that I I bring out every time. That's along with True Lies. This uh, this this not only doesn't have a, a Blu-ray edition, it doesn't even have a DVD edition worth watching. No, it doesn't. The DVD is non-anamorphic, which means it's four Try. by three with black bars at the top and bottom, meaning that the resolution is actually half of standard def. Yeah. So it's 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 garbage. It actually, on modern screens, it looks like absolute garbage. Anyway, it's fantastic. I I love the abyss. It's it's a movie I saw. I bought the DVD back when it was unacceptable. Well, yeah, at the time it wasn't great that it was non-anamorphic, but it was it was acceptable enough at the time. Watching it on a a twenty-inch CRT, it was okay. Yeah, and it wasn't the only thing like this at the time. No, no, they were definitely in the minority, but it wasn't the only thing like it. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I, obviously, I like James Cameron movies. I, I I like science fiction. This was underwater science fiction, which I thought was a cool idea, which I hadn't really seen much of at the time, and. It's this movie about first contact with aliens that may or may not be living in the ocean somewhere, uh, but it's got a lot of great stuff. It, you know, obviously Cameron loves the water, and you know Titanic proves that. Avatar two is apparently going to be heavily underwater, but it deals with this sci-fi, a little bit of horror underwater. Uh, good characters, Ed Harris is in there, Michael Bean's in there. They're fantastic. And you have this fantastic climax. I will say you have to watch the special edition to get the whole story. It is baffling what they cut out of the of the the, the theatrical cut. Watch the special edition; it's the one to watch. Um, one day. But yeah, it's just, it's a great movie. It, it feels fairly unique because there's, there's very few movies that are set on on underwater station like this that are of high quality. They tend to be kind of schlocky. Yeah, that's fair. Um. But this is just this, this is this is essentially Star Trek underwater. Not so much that they're down there for discovery, but just in the sense that it's the wonderment of discovering something new. Yeah. So, uh, but you you know what I mean when I say it's like a Star Trek plot uh, when, you, okay. when you see it. Well, uh, uh, speaking of Star Trek, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a feeling we're about to talk about whales. Oh, we 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 may indeed. You could not have teed that off any nicer because my number thirteen is Star Trek Fourth Voyage Home. <sighs> Oh, not only was it Star Trek, it was a Star Trek closely related to water, as as possible. It it could not have gone any better. (laughs) Yes, yeah, I I spoke about this a while ago, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) yes, yes, you did. Uh, No, this is great. It's full of comedy in ways that the other movies aren't, and it's comedy that that's very natural and fits the context of what's happening. Uh It doesn't feel there just for oh, let's throw in a joke. It all has this fantastic flow and tone to it because you still have all the the traditional Star Trek feeling of okay, let's discover what is to them the unknown. But it, you know, because it's 
because it's the 80s, it's it's not unknown to us. So we, we're in on the joke for once, uh, which is which is different to usual. So uh, for the characters, it's this brand new situation, and you know, it's it's all, all the, the the culture shock. To us, it's funny, yeah. and you know, as yeah, it's all the nice messaging with the whales and whatnot as well. Yeah. Pretty great. You're such a colourful metaphor. So my number thirteen is actually probably probably a surprising pick to a lot of people actually. This is a film called Explorers, which is a Joe Dante movie. Now I've mentioned before that I love Joe Dante. I've had a few Joe Dante movies on here. Yeah. I think I remember you talking about this one before. Yeah, this is a movie, um it came out the same year as the Goonies, and it's very in the same vein in that it's about a group of kids, three kids in this case, who build a spaceship. Yeah. They build their own spaceship. And I know some people hate the ending because of when they actually get to an alien spaceship and the thing is like it gets too wacky. I kind of still love that part of the movie. Um, but I grew up watching this. For me, this was like the Goonies, right? Naturally. But it was the sci-fi version of the Goonies. It was the Goonies where they build a spaceship and go to space. What was not to love about that? And top of that, you have, you've got a young uh, Ethan Hawke as the main character. I mean, what's not to love? Dick Miller's in there because Dick Miller's in every Joe Dante movie. Um, it's, again, it's got a wonderful sense of adventure. It's this idea of being a kid in like... And this is something I can really relate to, at least I feel like I can, is when you're a kid and you get that idea on like a, an afternoon where I think I can do this and pull it off. And most of the time you won't. But this is this is the movie about the idea being so extreme and then somehow them pulling it off. You know, like when I, when I say like actual things, I mean like, oh, I think, oh, this afternoon I'm in the mood. I, you know what, for some reason I really want to like move the room about, right? I want to have the bed over there so that I can see the TV from this angle. And I want to Real re- ambitious people. Rearrange things. You know, but no, no, you know what I mean? Like when you're a kid and you give yourself a little mission and you, yeah. you, you, you devote yourself to it and you're really excited about it. This is a movie where the mission is to build a spaceship and they goddamn pull it off. And it has this sense of adventure to it. Uh, and you know, they're all about 12 years old or something like that. It's just, it's, it's delightful. Um, great score as well, actually. It's, it's not, because it's a movie that no one talks about, you feel like you probably wouldn't, assume that it'd have like these other great elements but it's actually got a really great score so um, i think you are still the only person who has ever mentioned this movie to me explorers uh seek it out watch it it's good go explore it's good damn it what's your 12 uh my 12 is airplane because this is a delightful comedy isn't it this is it's it's the height of taking everything someone says and twisting it into something stupid and back up. Cause that's every joke in this movie. Mm. And I love that. Cause that, that, that speaks to me as a person. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I have to admit, I do prefer naked gun, but I mean, I, I mean, I like naked gun a lot. It was, oh. it was lower down on my list, but you know, playing just that little bit better for me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, my number 12 is one that you've mentioned already. This is Thief. Um, <laughs> Michael Mann, stylish, slick. The story of the of the jewel thief who wants to get married and have kids and get out of the life, but the asshole who, you know, employed him just pulls him back in. And it's this, this, this you know, the story of someone who wants to become normal, but realises that he can't become normal without... Yeah, going down but, the deep end first. Who cares? Because it's stylish as shit. 
No, I actually think the story's really good. There's a, no, the story is alright. It, ha- it handles its themes very well. Um, and I love the ending because the ending kind of pays off everything that the, the film set up until that point. I really like that part of it. Um, anyway, we did review this. You can go, you can go watch a full review yeah, of us yeah. talking about this. Uh, but uh, really, really good. And again, who can? James can. So, uh, what's your number eleven? Uh, so my eleven is one that you mentioned earlier. I'm pretty sure, and that's the Breakfast Club. Oh yes, ages ago, back at like forty something. Yeah, yeah. Last video. Um, <laughs> in in completely the wrong place. Because <laughs> this movie's fantastic. It's it's such a a, a smart teenage comedy. In that, you know, everyone is exactly how they should be. You know, in terms of the what they're representing, what, what you know, um, they all sound very uh, realistic uh, in terms of that. Um, they're, 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 they're witty if they're supposed to be witty. They're, they're just, yeah, they're stupid if they're supposed to be, but not heightened to ridiculous degrees either. They're all a very realistic range of, of that spectrum. And all the characters play off each other fantastically. And it's just fantastic and delightful. Also, the principal from this film would later quit his job and go on to be a police officer in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Go on. He's in Die Hard. I know, but I'm just waiting for you to get on with it. <laughs> I'll just say he's in Die Hard. <laughs> Like was... Unless unless Die Hard is your next movie, not relevant. <laughs> it's not a next movie, but I just number eleven for me is one that you've mentioned, and that is Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is uh, the first Indiana Jones film. Uh, like I say, I saw this kind of late for what most people would normally see this in the lifespan. Um, is very good. It is it is a fun adventure, and I think it was a surprising film to me because it's not necessarily a type of movie that I love usually. It's just good enough that I do. Yeah, I get that. Right, you know, like, it's not so much that I'm against, like, a pulpy adventurer movie, but typically when I think of that, I typically typically think of weaker movies where this, like, you've got the charisma of Ford, you've got the chemistry with Alan, you've got the, the great music, the great action, the stunts, you know, the, the car chase mm. at one point. Uh, you've got all these things. Um, it's just it's just a delightful experience. Um and 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 it's nice to get to say screw the Nazis when it's not a war movie. That's true. Yeah, screw the Nazis. Uh, the villain's really good as well. The, the little Nazi, the really creepy one. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's he's, he's, he's good. Uh, the, the the coat hanger that you think he's like making this torture weapon, and it turns out to be a coat hanger. That's a good scene. Yeah. It is. Um, I, I want to mention that because you know I, I'm not big on war movies, and that's typically ninety percent, mm. if not more, of where Nazis are the villains. Yeah, this is just set. Well, they're in power in Germany, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't remember the exact year it's set, and actually, no, I'm thinking about. It. But I think it's before World War Two. Yeah, I want to say like '39, which is the year World War Two started. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I don't. But maybe it's just before. Just before. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, what's your number ten? Oh, we're in top ten. Oh, is we're there. in top ten. What's your ten? Yeah, top ten. Kicking it off. Return of the Jedi. You moved us up, you prick. Uh, only by one space, actually. I swapped it with Breakfast Club. I changed my mind. I, I, to be honest, I reel to this list constantly as we go. You know, because you know, I, I did this a week ago, and I'm like, do you know what? Kind of want to shift some things around a little bit. And then I was like, yeah, just swapped it with Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love this movie, all of it, even even the even the bloody Ewoks. 
even the Ewoks. Yeah, you would. No, this this is great. It has the it has all the emotional climax of the trilogy. You know, every every everything that's uh, up on the ship with uh, Luke Vader and, and and the Emperor is is just incredible. Um, it's some some of the best writing them, thematic writing that's that's in the in the trilogy uh, there for me. Um, it has all the emotion there, and it sticks the landing for what is obviously, in my opinion, a fantastic trilogy. Uh, most people would agree, to be fair. Um, but it sticks the landing, is the point. I feel like you're really overdoing it because you're expecting me to be a dick in a second and put I am, some yeah. contrary yeah, points. Go on. No, I like it. It's a good movie. I, I actually agree with the emotional climaxing that you're talking about. Uh, the, the, the Vader and Luke stuff at the end, really good. Just a lot of the stuff on the planet with the Ewoks. And it's not even the Ewoks themselves specifically. It's just that general part of the plot. Fair enough. I, I realize the 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 speeder bike chase. Uh, I think is mm. is really thrilling. Just about just a bit weaker than the other two to me, um, but you know there's things to like. It, it's, I mean, a, it's, it's a solid conclusion to the trilogy. It works. I happen to agree, agree that it's it's my least favorite of the three, <laughs> but I mean it's not it's just small margins. Mm. Oh yeah, so I wonder where Empire is going to appear. Yeah, um, there's only a maximum of eight films that can appear between them, right? So I mean, small margin. <laughs> All right, well you can be quiet now because the real top ten is about to start. Number ten of <laughs> the top movies of these. Of of your top movies of these. This is not definitive because mine's obviously objectively the right one. <laughs> Number ten. Ghostbusters. Okay. I mean, that's it. I'd have to say it. It's Ghostbusters. No, it's, it's, it's incredibly witty. It's got a fantastic cast from top to bottom, from from Murray to Weaver to Aykroyd to Ramis. Fantastic top to bottom, incredibly witty, inventive, fun effects, fun music. That theme song, delightful. Yeah. Can't um, argue with that. Uh, obviously it's full of nostalgia but it's it's one of those things where the jokes have gotten better as I've gotten older because there's a lot of adult humour in there yeah. that, uh, you know obviously you know I, I don't know when the gap happened like you know you know when I the gap between when I watched it when I was too young to get all the jokes to when I was old enough to get them all I, I assume there was a reasonable gap where when I watched it again it was kind of like a, like obviously I remember liking it but it was, it like, was like a fresh experience it though. was a eureka moment it was like oh <laughs> this, yeah. this was actually incredibly witty um, I just liked it as a kid because it was fun shooting the ghost with the beams. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's a lot of movies that are, that fall into that. Like mm. um, one of those like like Toy Story, always springs to mind for me is you know you watch that as a kid. It's just you know it's Toy Story, and then when you when you come back and watch it as an adult, there's a lot of actual you know uh, witty humor in there that you know only the adults are getting. Yeah, yeah. Because um, but... because some studios appreciate that the parents have to go and take the kids to the movies and they don't want them sat there completely bored. Hmm. Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? Yeah. I'm in Melissa. Yeah, you you, you have the definitive top list when Ghostbusters are even there. What's your number nine? Definitive top ten is what I said. Uh, My number nine is one that you mentioned not too long ago, uh, Near Dark. Mm. Um everything about it's fantastic um honestly what catapults it up like from maybe 12 or 13 into 9 is the score that is that good it kind of pushes it up that extra bit but all the characters are great the you know the the romance the western elements 
all of it is fantastic. And, it, you know, it's firing on all cylinders, this movie. Yep, already talked about it. So yep. my number nine is The Shining. My number eight. <laughs> that was once it always, always does and do you know what we were so close to the end I thought we were going to get away with it oh, damn it alright so yeah Shining Stanley Kubrick it, it, I mean like I, obviously King doesn't like it because it's different from his book and which as, as uh, you know from his perspective I can understand that right mm. but also objectively it's fantastic it's a phenomenal movie it's it, it, it's one of those things where like he came in and made a, like an almost perfect horror movie and it makes me like why didn't he make more horror movies damn it like like yeah. he's this good at it why didn't he do more um but it's internally it's it, you know eternally creepy jack nicholson's fantastic the 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 hotel itself is a character it, 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 yeah that was a whoever was the the location guy found mm. this place man yeah. deserved a pay rise yeah, you, you, fantastic camera work. You got those shots following Danny, you know, on the tricycle or whatever it was, as he's going around the yeah the, the halls, and you just you're just following. And even the sound design, where you hear the wheels going on the carpet, and it's kind of dull, and then it hits the the wooden floor again, and it's like really loud, and it yeah. keeps going off. It's like, it's almost like a be- a beat. It goes goes between it is, them. Yeah, really, really smart design. Um, yeah, even the the hexagons design or whatever it was in the carpets and stuff. It just everything felt very just kind of like too perfectly symmetrical. And it, it made does. you kind of mad. It made you just feel and, kind of and, weird. And it falls in line with, you know, you've got the twins there. And it's this idea, of every, you know, it's too perfect. that You know, that hang on, why is the two of them? Yeah, so Shining's phenomenal. So it is, that was my yeah. number nine. It was your number eight. Yeah, so your number eight. My number eight is The Thing. John Carpenter set in, you know, the Arctic. It's... Alien falls down. It's technically a remake, although it's it's more just, it's an adaptation of the same story. But the, the, the original was so far removed that it doesn't even feel like a remake. It just feels like no, this is an actual adaptation of the story. Yeah. Uh, fantastic practical effects. It is a movie oh, yeah. ab- about paranoia. It's a movie with a, another great score. It's a movie. It's a bottle movie. It's set in this one little installation, this little base. Yeah, and when you have a bottle movie like this. The acting needs to be, you know, really mm. great to carry it, and it is. It's above and beyond by everyone involved. And it's a bottle movie, not only just in the sense that they're all around this little base and building. They're trapped there by the snow. The weather's got them completely cut off from the world. They can't contact anyone. They're isolated. It is it is the perfect atmosphere for then what follows, where all they have is each other, and then they can't trust each other, and it yeah. just it, 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 and it, it, it you know it deteriorates. The, the the group deteriorates as the movie goes on. And it has a fantastic ending in that, you know, it's like, well, what what really happened? You, you you can debate it for hours. I mean, when we did our review of this, we did debate it quite a bit as to how we personally felt about the ending. And mm. I, I think we came down feeling differently, if I, if I recall. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. That was my rendition of the music. I seem to be doing that every so often here, but... It's, 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 you do, yeah. Um... I don't like this. Let's stop this. Let's not make it a thing. <laughs> Like I'm not very good at it, but I do I do hum a lot of music, uh, just all the time. Yeah, yeah, you do. You know us, you know us very well. Every time we're not recording, I'm just sitting here humming to myself. Literally, like the second we stop, he'll be going off on one. <laughs> and sometimes I'll, I'll hum music from movies I don't even like. Like sometimes <laughs> that happens. And do you know what the worst part is? There was there was a point that this was a while ago now, mm-hmm. but there was a it was um, is it called Kids, the song? Like, like, oh yeah. Had, 
do, 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 yeah. do, do, yeah. do, 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 All the do, goddamn time do, you did that song. And do, I hate, you know, I used to like think that song was all right. <laughs> and now I hate it because of how much you did that. Do, 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 yeah. do, do, yeah. do, 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 All right. Um, that was my number eight. The thing is phenomenal. Fantastic. Yeah, what is, is your yeah. number seven? Uh, my number seven. Ooh, another movie that we have done a review of. This is uh, My Neighbor Totoro. Ah, yes. Um, this is one that we, we did a review on, and I I really liked it. And then it stuck with me, you know, like, you know, af- after we did, because, you know, we, we typically record our reviews pretty quickly after watching, usually within a couple of hours, maybe a day tops. Mm. Um, so it doesn't have time to really, you know, sit with you before we discuss them. It's, it's usually a fairly fresh reaction, uh, especially if it's a film we've not seen before. Um, so, but then, you know, this, this really sat with me over a few weeks and it got to a point where I realized this movie has no plot. There's no plot to this movie. It's just these two characters and, and, you know, and this just, uh, there's this, this day, right. That, that, that happens. Mm-hmm. And, the fact that it's as engrossing as it is, the fact that it has character arcs in there, and there is just there is no tangible plot at all, uh, it's kind of fantastic. Um, and you know the animation's gorgeous. It, it, it's dealing with all these these serious themes about you know de- coping with with, with potentially of death or you know, you know illness, families. Um, but it, it's fantastic. I loved it. All right. And some I've got a very similar film at my number seven, RoboCop. So Paul Verhoeven directed. Um, talk about fantastic music in some of these movies. This has got such a bombastic, full of brass score. Mm. I love the score to RoboCop. It I'll is, give you that one. Is this, and we talk about movies that got better as we got older. This is something that I shouldn't have watched as a kid, but I did. I grew up with RoboCop because I think a lot of parents just assume, oh, it's a robot cop. It's for kids. It's not. This movie's full of violence, drugs, hookers, everything. Like, it's, it's got all of it. And it... Do, you, do you know what I think was misleading for a lot of parents? Mm-hmm. The fact that there was a cartoon. Yeah, probably. And they think, well, there's a cartoon. Of course, it's probably fine. So here's the thing. Robocop, as a kid, it was like, oh, it's violent and there's a robot cop. This is great. As an adult, this film is actually a fantastic satire. It is, it is so well done. It's so well written. It's a movie about individualism and like losing yourself in the in the faceless kind of like you know corporate world that's what the movie's about it's about society taking your personality away and making you just one of them part of the machine as it were yeah and it's about resisting that and hopefully coming out with still intact as a human being that's what this movie's about and is that it is phenomenal so um, it's a great action movie, it's a great sci-fi movie, but it's a great sci-fi movie because it's a great satire and because it has something to say. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good sci-fi, you know, is. Yeah. Arguably all good sci-fi is. Yeah, probably, yeah. There's yeah. probably a couple of examples. That... Where it's good but doesn't have a message, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, that's why I'm, I'm not willing to say all. Yes, but no, Rob- Robocop is actually a fantastic movie. It's one that... I remembered liking, but I assumed it was like, oh, it wasn't one of my favourites or one of the best movies ever or anything like that. But then I watched it again, you know, maybe, I don't know, five, ten years ago, whenever it was, and it was like, no, this is actually really good. This is really smart. Like, mm. this is like next level stuff. It's, it's fantastic. Robocop's great. Seriously. Mm. It's good. Fair enough. Uh, what's your number six? Um, also a movie probably shouldn't have been watching as a kid, but 
you know, clearly I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Terminator. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's fantastic. Uh, it's better than the second one. Screw what anyone else says. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. Every time we mention this, you know, that that, that comes up. And I feel like I always get some snide comment from someone uh, on Twitter or something going, eh, the second one's better. No, it's not. second one's got better action, but it's not a better movie. Um, <laughs> no, the first one has so much so much more atmosphere. It's It's got, you know, out and out of that dirty, awful alleyway. And, there, <laughs> you know, he appears. And right. it's just like... That's atmosphere. It's a grimy city. It's, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because I was talking about how uh, Predator is kind of like, you know, part of what, why I ended up liking horror. Because I wasn't watching horror movies as a kid. I was watching stuff like this. But I think Terminator is the other one where I think Terminator is the reason why I love things like Halloween so much. Yeah, it is it is a proto slasher movie. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Terminator, he kind of is a slasher in, in many regards in that you know he did this unstoppable you know monster that just mm. tracks them down and kills them it is very much yourself for you know 90 percent of slasher movies yeah, yeah. my number six die hard mm. it, it, you know i love a bottle movie right so you have john mcclain He's just a regular cop. He's a, he's in the the high rise. I mean, I mean, me and Matt just talked about that. Hard. We, we reviewed it on Overload for Christmas. Um, and one of the things that really stuck out to me on that viewing, you know, watching it again and try to think about it a bit more critically because it's you know I'm, I'm going to talk about it. I, I want to have something to say that's not just oh action good. Chris Willis, you know, char- charismatic. Because uh, there's more to it than that. I, I I love how you get get to know the building. I love all that stuff. But what really stuck out in that viewing was that. The movie does it does actually have a heart to it. There's there's a story at the center of it, which is about every character in that movie who seems to enjoy or or likes the idea of like the action, right? Every character who likes the the thrill of what they're doing are all idiots and ultimately meet a bad end. Whereas John yeah. McClane and Al, the the, the car- and to a, to a point, Hans Gruber as well. Funnily enough. They're the ones who are smarter than everyone else because they're the ones who treat it seriously. And they're the ones who try to think about the situations and outwit things. And ultimately, the reason why John McClane wins when all the cops outside and everything else doesn't is because he is down to earth because he thinks things through seriously. Because I think it's funny that people who joke about people who like Die Hard too much are like, oh, you like Die Hard, you say it's your favorite Christmas film. Like, ah, you're just immature and you like action movies. The point of Die Hard is that the people who think like that are the ones who are going to lose. And John McClane yeah. wins because he doesn't think that. He takes it seriously and understands the weight of what's happening. And Hans Gruber only loses because he finally lets that go at the very end. He lets his ego get the better of him for a second, and that's why John McClane wins. So, die hard. It's phenomenal. What's your number five? My number five could not be more different. Die hard too. Uh- <laughs> No, no, it's not. Uh, it's sixteen candles, which I kind of wish I could have had this at sixteen, but it's far too good for that. I doubt it. But go on. screw you. <laughs> I take serious offence. <laughs> have you even seen this movie? No. What? Mm. 
I have no idea what it's about. <laughs> this is probably the best directed John Hughes movie for me. The only thing I know about this movie, and this is just because of the title, I assume someone's turning 16. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, about, that's all I've got. Mo- Molly Ringwald is turning 16, her character. And the idea is that all of her family forgot. And she has a really shitty day. Oh, okay. Yeah, she has to go to school and, and all this shit. She it, just has a really shit day throughout. So this is a couple of years after her and her friends uh, beat Pennywise. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, you, you you've just got all these kind. Of, again, it's 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 a lot of awful people, and her just going through a really shitty day, and it and the the comedy that comes out of that, and uh, it's fantastic. It's really really smartly written. Um, a lot of wit in there. I, I don't like it. Like I've just not seen it. Yeah. No, I, I do think you'd like this. I mean, you you probably wouldn't rate it quite as highly as I do because I'm a sucker for this sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, number five, but no Ghostbusters out of the fifty movies. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was on the short list. It was it was probably about fifty five. Aye. So was Return of the Jedi. No, mm-hmm. it wasn't. I'm kidding. That wasn't even on the short list. Yes, it was. Screw you. So was it. I knew I wasn't getting on. Go and do your number five, you prick. <laughs> the inner space, that was on the short list, but didn't make it. Mm. American Wolf in London, on the short list, but didn't make it. You're glancing at the, shit, at the ones that you I cut now, aren't Yeah. <laughs> Fatal Attraction was on the short list, but didn't make it. You know, there's movies there. Anyway, my number five... <clears throat> Back to the Future. Mm. <laughs> uh, just on the short list, but didn't make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that because you have an awful opinion when it comes to this movie. I don't have an awful opinion. It's a good movie. I just don't love it. Back to the Future. Is a movie that, and this is going to be really funny in context here, given that Connor's a bit more meh on it, but Back to the Future to me is the movie when someone tells me they don't like it, I know there's something wrong with them as a human being. Because Back to the Future is flawless. I'm saying this. It is a flawless film. I, I don't know what you can criticise in this movie. I, I, I just want to point out that this means all four movies above this must also be flawless. No, 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 no that doesn't. This is purely on a, on a, on a like, I can understand why someone doesn't like these four above this. Back to the Future has an appeal for everyone. It is it is a perfect movie in the sense that it is delightful characters, it is a great plot, the script always moves forward, everything just clicks together. It's funny, it's, 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 it's heartwarming, it's adventurous. It's it's got the ticking time bomb element. It's got everything. It is it is a perfect movie script. It is insane how tight it is. Yeah. It's so tight. Fine. <laughs> no one edit that out of context and use it, please. Um, it's such a tight film. It is so good. And Marty's great. Doc is great. You know, so many classic scenes. And talk, we talk about fantastic scores a lot. Alan Silvestri's score for this is is absolutely phenomenal. And I don't rate it. You making your faces at me? No, 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 no. This this is one of the most iconic scores in film history. I'm putting my foot down on this. That 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 higher education 
that you got in music has been wasted because you've got the wrong opinion on this. <laughs> it was a sham. <laughs> it was the whole thing was a sham because you've got the wrong opinion on Back to the Future. Uh, it, so fine score, but yeah, I don't think it's that special. Back to the Future is a ten. It's a goddamn ten. What is your number four? You hack. My hack. It was a seven, and it's that's fine. And, and a seven's pretty good. It was good enough to get on the short list for this this list, but not enough to make the cut. That's a that's a short. Back to the Future seven out of ten. Dash Connor Ryan. I stand by it. <laughs> uh, <sighs> my my number four. We actually already spoke about not so long ago. It's the thing. Um, we 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 praised it a lot then. Yes. yes. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Did the thing. It's great. <laughs> it's I love good. it. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk again, I suppose. Huh? <laughs> number. I'm just still annoyed at you. Number three. Thinking back, to the future's flawless. Is the Terminator. It's a, it was a cyborg from the future has come back in time to kill the mother of the future leader of the resistance. And like I said earlier, it is he is an unstoppable killing machine. It is as much of a horror film as it is a science fiction film. Mm. It is super tense. It's got tons of atmosphere. It's got heart to it. It's it, it's it's got layers. Like this is the sort of plot. I, I, I remember, uh, like you know, watching the documentaries and stuff oh. about it. That that was a really bad hiccup. Yeah, I'm sorry. Tense. I really tried to hold that one in, and it just. Mm. But I remember like them saying that you know when it when it got released, like the the, the studio Orion assumed that it was going to be this schlocky little sci-fi thing that made a little bit of money on first weekend, and that was it. You know they were thinking it was another B movie that no one cared about. I it, can see why. Yeah, if you if you tell someone the concept, you can sort of hear why. But you watch it; it's got a very tight script. It's got a great you know lineup of cast. It's very well directed. It's full of iconic moments. You know the Terminator rising from the fire. The yeah. you know the, the the police shootouts in the station, like all these iconic scenes. It invented "I'll Be Back." <laughs> that was this movie. Like it has all these things. But then you've got just you know the actual sci-fi side of it. You've got this the father from the future. You've got these time loop elements. You've got like cyborgs taking over the planet you've got all these things it's, it's everything that made me love science fiction as a kid <laughs> that's what it is yeah. so the Terminator and also I'll say this the best main theme any movie's ever had oh that's a bulk now I, I think you're closer with this statement than you were with the Back to the Future statement I, I'll tell um, you, I, at least I'll say this that's, obviously that was a very subjective thing to say <laughs> but I will say this, which is just fact for me. The main theme of this music is the theme that made me care about movie music. That made me pay attention. That made me... It's the first track I ever made a point of acquiring and listening to, <laughs> to my heart's content. Fair enough. The Terminator. What's your number two? Well, hang on, we've got number three first. Oh, I skipped one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm swapping those two. <laughs> Terminator was number four then, all right. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. So we'll, we'll backtrack slightly. Okay, we'll swap, swap all right. Okay, what was your number number three? Uh, my number three is Aliens. Okay. And I suspect it's maybe appearing on yours momentarily. So I'm actually going to wait and we'll just talk about it properly. Because <laughs> I'm that confident. Okay, all right. Well, uh, so what's your number four? To go back to number four, because my eye jumped up a, a slot. Um... Very different film. This is one that I did not grow up with. This is something that I saw as a, in my earlier adult life. Um, 
Cinema Paradiso. Mm. This is a phenomenal film. Uh, I recommend the director's cut. Although the theatrical cut, I still, I still think, is pretty solid. But the, the director's cut is the one I recommend. And it is a film about a young boy uh, who who befriends the projectionist at this. this it's set in the past. It's set in like the, I don't know, 30, something like that. Um, and it's the early days of film where you know, the film rules are you know really basic. And, you know, he's... Uh, they're, they're dangerous as a fire at one point because this was before they, they, they treated film strips so they weren't flammable anymore. Uh, it's doing all these Smart. things. And it's this touching story of this friendship and how this is a coming-of-age story for for the, the young boy uh, and gives the, the older man purpose. Um, and it leads to this wonderful, like, you know, later later in the film where we see what becomes of him as a, as a, as a man and, and what he does with his life and, and how it harkens back to everything he learned in his childhood. And... I was. I, I'm making these bold claims, but I actually think the final like, minute of this movie, like the conclusion right before the credits roll, might be one of the most satisfying final minutes of a film I've ever seen. Okay. I literally had a tear of joy run down my face at the final moment of this film. It, it, it was that touching. And the, the best part of the whole thing is that it's kind of about cinema. It's about the love of cinema and how that, that, that bonds people. Um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film that I highly recommend. So, Cinema Paradiso. And then number three is The Terminator. <laughs> just to... <laughs> Do you know what I suppose you said number three? But because I'd just done number four, yeah, I didn't really yeah, yeah, yeah. clock. So I said the right number, I just skipped ahead one, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Which does mean we're on to your number two. Number two, yeah. Uh, so, when we were talking about 16 Candles... I said that was the best movie directed by John Hughes. <laughs> okay. My number two is the best movie written by John Hughes. Uh, it's pretty in pink. So still very much a John Hughes movie. In in you know it's all in the script, right? It's directed by someone else, but it doesn't matter. It's still a John Hughes movie in in everything that it's doing. Uh, this is an- another one with with Molly Ringwald, and it's basically you know she's this this you know. The poor girl, you know, there's, you know, there's the crush at school. And then this new rich guy comes in and it's about them, you know, forming this relationship and whether or not that, you know, the, 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 the two, you know, two of them can be compatible, I guess. Um, but it's very funny. Uh, it's, it is funny throughout. Uh, it's, it is probably the, for, for me, it's the funniest of John Hughes films, but it's got, uh, you know, it's got the heart there to it as well to back it up. Uh, it's really tightly scripted. Um, Oh, I love this movie. It's fantastic. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Nah, no one saw this oh, one coming. Like, okay. What a weird I, top I, ten you've got. <laughs> I, I know. It's all over the place. Um, <laughs> but I really love this movie. All right. Okay. My number two is from the same director as Wings of Desire, Wim Wenders. Okay. As a film called Paris, Texas, which is a film that I don't hear enough people talking about, and anyone who I have forced to watch this has loved it, right? We'll do it at some point because I keep meaning to watch yeah, it and we're, just we're, never find the time. This will be a, an influx. Don't you worry; it will be an influx at some point. This is a film starring uh, Harry Dean Stanton, the late great. He was also in Pretty in Pink, by the way. Oh, was he? Yeah. yeah. He he is this 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 man who's he's kind of drifting just through the the, the country, and his uh, brother finds him. Who's a uh, uh, oh, I forget his name, but he was in Quantum Leap. I know him from Battlestar Galactica, though. Uh, 
uh, that'll help some people decipher who it is. <laughs> There's a crossover between those two. Um, he finds him and kind of like tries to like help him, get, gives him, brings him back home to him with his family, and tries to find okay, why did you leave? Why were you wandering? Why have you been kind of you know silent and you know out of it? What, what's going on? Also, your your wife's missing, and don't you want to like you know re- reconcile with your son because he's got a young son who's like you know eight or something like that. And it's kind of about him trying to reconnect with his son. And then we slowly discover why he was out there doing what he was doing, what's happened, what will build up to that. And I talked about how Cinema Paradiso, the ending's like such a big thing. What? I didn't go hard. Just, just unprofessional. <laughs> Carry on. They did cut out. It was fine. Uh, I talk about how the ending that was like, you know, touching and like one of the, my most satisfying endings ever. The final, not just minute of this movie, the final 20 minutes of this movie, of Paris, Texas. I don't even know the words to describe it. It's like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie where it's, it's great through. It's, it's a really well done drama throughout. It's really, really solid. And then the final 20 minutes is just this one long scene that takes it. And not only just because this scene's so good that it elevates the whole movie, because it's not like the rest of it needed elevating per se. But what the meaning that this adds to the rest of the film, where you realise where he kind of finally, you know, talks about why he is the way he is, and what's built up to this point, and what the whole movie's about, and I don't want to spoil it because it is it is freaking fantastic. It is this great performance. It's just two actors having a conversation as the final twenty minutes, and the entire thing is heart wrenching. It is it is a gut punch. It is heartwarming in places. It is emotional. Uh, this movie was deeply touching to me in the final 20 minutes. It is a movie about someone not even, like, j- just dealing with who, what they've realised they are, right? To just de- realising there are this kind of person and how do they react to that now they know that. That is what this movie is. Um, and it's one of those movies where you realise about halfway through why it's called Paris, Texas. Because it's not really clear for, for a while until something is brought up and you kind of, oh, wait a minute. And it's, it's kind of all about that and what that represents. And it's... That, that, I, I can't wait to watch this again for Influx at some point. I cannot wait to talk about this. And Is it bad? There is a small part of me that wants to not like it. Just just for the sake of having that debate with you. I don't think there's a chance of it. Mm, bold statement. I, I have never been more convinced that I am right in this opinion and that you will see the light than I am with this movie. Paris, oh. Texas is a, it, it's one of those movies where I got it because it was a criterion, right? I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, one of them. But the criterion and it blew me away. Like, I, I was like, that's a 10 out of 10. Like, usually I have to like think about it a bit before I give it a 10. This was a 10. As soon as the credits rolled, it was a goddamn 10 and I've never changed my opinion about that. Never. Fair enough. One of my favorite films of all time. Phenomenal. Was those leaders to your number one? Yeah, which you you have unceremoniously ruined multiple times. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what what could it be, Pete? What 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 notable thing is missing on my list that you may or may not have said? Oh, that's number one, like five times in these videos. Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is shit. Not Back to the Future. I can tell you that. Oh, piss it off. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's it's Empire Strikes Back. Surprising no one because it's me and I'm a walking caricature. Apparently, I mean, 
this is it's it's almost unfair to everything else on this list because it's not just my number one of the 80s it's just my favorite movie mm-hmm. so i mean it was always going to be number one when we did this there was just no getting around that i think i made up for it by having a very shocking number two um well i didn't have a shocking number two but i think my number two is not one that is like you know it's not terminator and die hard in back to the future <laughs> no. It's... no it's not um I wasn't accusing you of of having mm. that, yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it, it's Empire. It's 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 a perfect movie for me. Every time I watch this, I find something else that that I'm like, that's interesting. That's new that I've never seen before. That you know, something thematic. That you know, just just a shot that I'll be like that I'd never considered in a certain way before. Um, like one of the last times I watched it, there was something in the lighting in in one of the scenes that was uh, no it was it, it was so very specific it was it was it was when luke's flying off in his ship away from dagobah and the lighting is over yoda and obi-wan having that conversation of, no there's another and i the, the lighting is really interesting thematically and i was like oh man i've never noticed that but i'd see i've seen this movie literally over like more than 100 times comfortably because this is one that i watched on repeat as a kid don't get me wrong um and i never never seen that before and and then it just that that viewing it's like ah oh, that clicked and it was just like okay that that was interesting and every time I watch it I get something new out of it um, and and Pete's there going how are you getting more stuff out of that movie? <laughs> hey, it's, it's a solid film. It's a solid number thirty-eight. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> F you. What's funny about this though is that you could have guessed that that was going to be his number one because it was obviously the number one on our top 50 sci-fi movie list that we did probably about a year ago, actually. We did that. Um, I think that... Was that the one we did last last December or was that the one we did in, like, March? Either way... I don't, I don't remember. Either way, one of those was the top 50 sci-fi and your number one in that was Empire. So it makes sense that if we do a movie about the 80s that that... Unless there was another genre film that may have... Do you know what is, is notable? Mm-hmm. Is that... There are, you know, a handful of sci-fi films on this list that, uh, yeah, would have been in the eighties uh, in the in the top sci-fi list. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily in the same order as they were then. Oh sure, yeah, time because your thought process changes and you know. yeah, yeah. So don't go back and go, oh, but you had this higher than that last time. Yeah, let's evolve because yeah. someday yeah. we'll probably repeat some of the same list when we've seen more movies and we've had more time to think about it. And, yeah, you know, just and and it's even that just just depends on on how i'm feeling when i make the list because I, I made this from scratch and i was like yeah yeah that's what i'm feeling today yeah but the reason why i bring that up is because my number one film was also my number one film in the top 50 sci-fi list yeah which, which is why i i generously left it for you yeah yeah um so this is flash garden I'm, this is aliens this is goddamn aliens um it is i i really hope you made that same joke in the sci-fi list I, d- I definitely didn't make a Flash Gordon joke. I mean, I made a joke about something else, but I definitely didn't make a Flash Gordon joke. You should have gone back and checked what you did do. I, I, I just I just try to think of a sci-fi movie from the 80s that wasn't on my list <laughs> as quickly yeah. as possible, and that's what popped it in my head. Fair enough. Um, but hey, so Aliens is uh, the best sequel ever made. I'm, I'm saying it. <laughs> he says after I just said Empire was above Aliens. <laughs> Aliens is the best sequel ever made. I'm putting my foot down. It, but here's yeah. the thing. I've talked about how Terminator and uh, other things. What was the other one I was talking about? Uh, oh, what was the other one that I said kind of led to my horror love? Oh, I can't remember now. 
Uh, wasn't the thing. No, because that's actually a horror movie. It was something else yeah. that had... It doesn't matter. Uh, but I talk about how some of the films so far, and Terminator is the one that was springing to mind, that kind of like formed some of my taste. Or at the very least were the first examples where I realised I liked a certain thing, right? Yeah. Um, Aliens, in many ways, kind of links into my favourite type of video game. In that it's a, it's a film about a group of people coming to this base that was a sort of confined area with like a group of people staying there and something terrific happened there was lab experiments the characters come in and just try and piece together what happened did they see like clues they see like the lab experiments did they get documents um something happened and then once the aliens show up this idea of okay we only have so much ammo we 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 have like a safe area that we've locked off for a little while we've got a safe room like all of these things are exactly what i like about uh resident evil the video games and it's something that I realized when I was watching it again uh, at some point a few years ago. I was like, oh, you know, I, I, this has got a lot of these elements that I like. Yeah. Um, and I like that in movies too, obviously. Um, but I was thinking about that. But I, that's, that's just part of what I love about this so much. It's not just that it's more of an action movie than the first one and it's got like a whole team against a lot of aliens. It's natural escalation. It's not just the heart of Ripley and Newt and the, the, the mother-daughter thing. It's this idea of this thing happened here and we have to go in the aftermath. And we all have a, we have a faint idea of what may have happened because we've seen the first movie, but you know this is larger in scale. There's more people. There's more things yeah. going on. So, yeah. I love no, it. Yeah, as as a sequel, you know, I'm not willing to say it's the best sequel ever made. Clearly, because um, <laughs> that belongs to Empire, but uh, it's probably the second best sequel ever made. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, but Too what kind. I love, yeah, what I love about it as a sequel is that it doesn't try and one up the original. Not really. You, you you could argue well there's more so it does, but that's not that's not the the evolution is it? It's not going well. Let's just do the same thing but more. It's no, flip it completely on its head, throw it into a different genre entirely, do it through an entirely different lens, and do something else with that idea. Yeah, and it naturally adds more to the mythology as well. The alien queen, of course, all these extra elements. Yep. Um, the idea of taking like, the android was crazy in the first one. Let's have an android who turns out to be a good character in the second one. Let, you know, let's play yeah. with that. Let's let's flip it and do something different. But play with the idea that Ripley doesn't trust them because of the experience in the first film. Yeah, it's, it does so many smart things. And then on top of that, the effects hold up pretty well. The ships look great. The weapons, the, the vehicles, mm -hmm. the power loader, the you know the alien oh, yeah. fight, all that stuff really holds up. Yeah, um, I would say. I don't like the alien designs quite as much as the original. Yeah, they've got those ridges in some of their heads. As opposed yeah. to yeah, no, the, I don't sleek, the sleekness of the, the the original is better for me. But I mean, it's still pretty good. Yeah, and uh, I'll give Cameron a little bit of shit here that he, he did tinker slightly for the Blu-ray release, and it's not it's not a tinker like George Lucas where he was like adding and taking away stuff constantly. It was just a, a mistake that he noticed that he fixed. Oh, finally. I love it. It's uh, at the end of the film when Bishop's cut in half and he like grabs Newt as she's sliding down the floor. And if you go back and watch the DVDs or any of the old versions, you can actually see like uh, Lance Henriksen's real body kind of poking through the floor a little bit. Um, and it's one of those things where I'd never noticed it. And it was on the commentary for the anthology or the quadrilogy DVD box set where he pointed it out in the commentary and said, you know, I, I watched this film probably a dozen times in editing, you know, through various cuts, and it wasn't until at like, the fourteenth, fifteenth time that I noticed that body peeking out the floor. But now every time I watch it, I see it. Yeah. Right? And then you did. And, and then I did was... too. 
but so when you watch the Blu-ray, he's actually fixed it. He's digitally taken away the body, and it's one of those things where I don't really care. It's fine because it's like it's just a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> that was fixed. I, I, but... I never, I never saw it on the DVD because I, I saw it on Blu-ray. I saw, I, I saw it in the cinema. It was my it was my first experience watching it. Actually. I assume that was the Blu-ray cut, though. Or the, the, I think the, the version. I, 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 I assume it would have been. Yeah. Um, due to when I watched it, I, yeah. I can't see another reason why it would have been. That said. I mean, it might not have been for some bizarre reason. It probably I just didn't this thing. It was a but... 4K remaster. I assume that's the one that went around theaters I when they did so, yeah. the anniversary showings and whatnot. Uh, but it's phenomenal. Aliens is yeah, fantastic. It, is. it so. is. Yeah, it's a fantastic number three. <laughs> it's a number one. It's a number one. Um, but notably, you had my number one at number three. I had your number one at 38. <laughs> Yeah, if you average them out, sure. But that's not how this works. I started this by saying my top 10 is the definitive top 10 for all top 10s. Yeah, if we do our thing, like sometimes we do things in the group with like a point system. And, you know, I I give Alien 10 points because it's number one. And you give Empire 10 points because it's number one. But then you give Aliens 8 points at number three. And I give Empire like a point (laughs) for being at 38. (laughs) Aliens wins by that metric but that is not the metric that counts here today aliens wins that's all you need to know <laughs> empire's still better though doesn't matter what pete says pete's wrong everyone knows that that he's is just he's just biased that has been our top 50 movies of the 1980s um of course let us know what your top 50 of the 80s are in the comments we love to see it uh, you can do that in the the comments or whatever um as for stuff coming up uh what is the next countdown? Um, naturally, there'll be a seventies one, but I don't think that'll be next. Next time we come to a countdown, we'll do something else. Yeah, we don't. We don't like just doing decades. Yeah, back to time. back. We've been kind of alternating between a genre and a decade. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We don't know what the next one's going to be. By all means, give us suggestions. But we actually, you know, it's nice to see like ideas and stuff. And sometimes we'll be like, no, we can never do that. But sometimes, like, oh, that's a good idea. We could, we could yeah, do. I mean, the next thing of this style though will not be the big countdown like this. It will be our, our top tens of 2018. Yeah, yeah, uh, that'll be coming uh, late February. You'll be getting that. Yes, awards time. So you can look forward to to that. Uh, obviously, you can support the show by liking, subscribing, and and all the other stuff. But if you want to support us uh, financially, you can go over to Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV. You can support us for as little as a dollar per month. You get these influxes a week early. You get some other stuff extra. Uh, you get an exclusive. Every other month you get a 121 Extra, which is a movie discussion show, kind of like this, but on a topic rather than a movie itself. Uh, that alternates with the TV version, which is almost cancelled extra. So you get either one of those every month at the dollar tier. But there's also voting rates at the $5 tier and other stuff. Um, or if you want merchandise, which is a, a, a one-time way to support us, you can go and buy a shirt or a hoodie or whatever. There'll be a link in the description to your relevant store. There's a UK store and a US store. You can pick whatever one suits you better. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I think that's everything uh, but yeah, yeah thank you very much back to, back to normal movies soon back to normal movies like we say uh, we kind of said what it was but we're doing Wings of Desire next which is not a spoiler because that was the winner of the Patreon vote so it makes sense that we're doing that soon because yes. it has to be done it's, it's uh, mandated by, by our, our very patrons and then themselves. all of next month or most of next month will be uh, catch up for 2018 movies catch up 2018 movies and then March has got a theme it's going to be Batman month because it's both the 1000th issue of Detective Comics and Batman's 80th birthday. So it's a bit of a big milestone, so we're doing a bunch of Batman movies in March. Uh, it'll be And there'll be extras, there'll be more than one a week, because there's more than four Batman movies. 
So you'll be getting at least seven, maybe eight, and you'll also get the Patreon pick that month, obviously, as well, but mainly Batman movies. And then uh, probably back to normal in April. Yes, probably back to normal in April. Uh, Unless we get another crazy idea between now and then. I doubt it. We probably should go back to just some general movies. (laughs) So some have got, you know, time to do, like some other things we've been wanting to do, but... That, that is us. That has been uh, our top 50 movies of the 1980s. So, yeah, let us know what your top, your picks are in the, in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all the usual stuff. Uh, thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, guys, and we will see you next time.